I am. Uh, I want to get into the second part of the series. But have you have you enjoyed it so far? We're only one in, but have you enjoyed the gift exchange so far? Um, <clears throat> these messages are hard to preach sometimes because we as ministers tend to try to be deep. <laughs> And sometimes it's the simple things that, that we miss. We try to get over into the deep things of God, and we haven't done the basics. And because we're not living in the basics, we're not seeing the results that we want. Uh, but we want to get into that this morning. Uh, part two of the gift exchange. If you'll go ahead and take your Bibles, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send you to a couple of scriptures and to just hang out there a minute. Um, I want you to go to, uh, let, me, let me get here to my notes, here we go. I want you to go ahead and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. Now just hang out there, we're going to get there in just a second, but just turn there for me. You know, in this series we're going to deal with a few things. Last week we dealt with giving God your worry and He'll give you His peace, amen? You do know that He came to have an exchange. You know, we talk about... We talk about all the things that Jesus gave for us. He gave all. Amen? He gave everything. However, he also emptied himself out so he could take all. And what he wants is for you to as freely. Now, here's the key. Now, everybody listen. As freely as he gave you himself, he wants you to freely give your issues, problems, and, and all the things you deal with in life back to him. Now, now, when you give something, we dealt with this last week. When you give something... We had, uh, we had a, a little get-together at our house last night, and we played uh, Dirty Santa, and that guy almost got violent. Um, I mean, we, we broke about 20 rules, and, and just, I mean, it got, in my den, I thought, well, I thought it was going to be bad. Everybody's fighting over one Star Wars cup. It was amazing. But, but when it was all said and done, we knew who had what. And we knew who ended up with, with the gifts, and, and they could, you know, most of them, if it was little toys or stuff like that, ended up giving them to the, the small children running around. But, but it was theirs. They went through whatever gauntlet we put in place for them to get it, and it's theirs. That is exactly what Jesus did for you. He came to give you an opportunity to take on you. Listen, this is important. You have been given the ability to take on everything he released. Because he took on everything from you so you could live and live in freedom and live in peace because he had to live in the curse. Now, now here's the thing. He only had to live in the curse for a few hours. Now, listen to me. What, now I ain't in my message yet. I'm just talking off the top of my head because I want you to hear this. He only had to live in the curse for a few hours by choice. He chose to take on the curse and to take that curse to the cross so you wouldn't have to deal with it. How many hours, days, months, weeks, and years have you chose to live in the curse when you didn't have to? You don't have to. You don't have to. This is something, listen, I used to walk in this. I used to wake up and, and felt like I was going to float to work. Just under the anointing. And over the last few years, I've just gotten so beaten down with you know, care, just carrying the care of ministry, carrying the care of people, and finding myself really uh, weary in my well-doing. And that's okay, but you've got to get past that. And I had to wake up and realize that I have chosen to carry what God calls a curse. Are y'all listening? I have chosen. Say chosen. chosen. You choose to carry what God calls a curse. You choose that. 
You choose that with your words. You choose that with your attitude. You choose that with your life. You choose that with your actions. Or you can choose the gift that he gave you. Now, here's the problem. Now, I ain't trying to make anybody feel bad. But the reason we're not choosing to walk in this freedom and this peace and this healing and this wholeness, because it takes things. It takes effort to learn his word. And it takes effort to not be caught up in you to get caught up in him. Amen? Now, that ain't my message today. But it matters. Now, I was standing over there during worship. And the Lord spoke something to me I've got right here in my coat pocket. And I wasn't going to preach it today. My wife got real concerned. She said, no, that's for you first. <laughs> it's not for the people. And it's not for you. This is my personal revelation. But it's where I've been. It's where I've been in my body. It's where I've been in my mind. It's all the things that I've, I've found myself struggling with and trying to overcome. And all of a sudden, right in the middle of a worship, it, it became clear. And, and because I'm willing, now I'm willing to do what, what's written down on this piece of paper because it matters. I think we don't understand what a bad day really is. You know, Jesus had a bad day. And that bad day was something he chose. Your bad days, now I'm not, again, last week we made this clear and I want you to hear me again. We're not talking about trauma, okay? We're not talking about something somebody has done to you with you not able to defend yourself or get out of the situation. We're talking about just if somebody can't have their coffee today and everybody's going to pay for it. You think that's a bad day. You know, at 47 years old, perspective begins to change. And, and I'm, I don't know any of your ages. I know mine. And, and at, at 47, I don't think the way I thought at 37. And I certainly don't think the way I thought at 27. And I know I don't think the way I thought at, thir- at 17. But what I do think is this. The word never changed. And I shouldn't have to mature into it in the physical to be able to mature into it in the spiritual. It's as much effort as you put into it is what you'll get out of it. It's anything and everything. Now, let's, let's talk about this bad day. I've got, I've got some, uh, I wish, Juan, I should have gave these to you to type these up. I've got some actual, y'all going to love this. I've got some actual insurance claim reports of people who thought they had a bad day that I'm going to read to you real quick. There's 12 of them. Probably won't read all 12 of them, but it, it's funny. Uh, number 12 says, a truck backed through my windshield and onto my wife's face. That's an actual report. Leaving home from work, or leaving home, leaving home for work, I drove out of my drive straight into a bus. But the bus was five minutes early. That's, that's, that's an actual report. Bus shouldn't have been there. Some of you people just fly out of your driveway. Bus shouldn't have been there. I was driving my car out of the driveway in the usual manner. I love that the usual manner is in parentheses. In the usual manner when it was struck by another car in the same place that car had been several times before. Some of this is some of your wife's. Amy said, yep. Hey, on this note, let me tell you all this story. <laughs> back, back when we first started this church, uh, we had moved out of our living room and we were in the old building over with Jasper Beauty Academy. You know where Big Lots is? It was behind there. <clears throat> and my brother-in-law was in town, uh, William. 
and he was helping us do some electrical on the building. So we had gotten up super early and gone to church. It was a Sunday morning, and we had gone really early. Like we got up at 6 o'clock and went because we had some things to get done before church that day. And <laughs> so April was a few minutes late to church. It, it, not unusual. She's never really late, late, but she was later than normal. But she wasn't late for church time. She was just later than normal. And we just couldn't understand, you know, I, I, it, was, you know it was back when we all had Nextel, you know, that. We didn't have phones like everybody, you know, everybody got an iPhone now. I mean, you got, to, you got, you know, the crackhead on the street got an iPhone. But here's the thing. We, we, were, <laughs> we, we were walking out of the, my office, and all my kids were running in, and they're all in a frenzy, and they're all talking, which is not unusual, but this time they were on a whole nother level. Now, you got to understand, we drove a church van. That was our normal vehicle. They called it Barney. It was a big purple 12-passenger van, and it was called Barney. And so my wife, it, she could drive that thing like it was a, like it was a Volkswagen, man. She could, she could slide that thing in. It was amazing. So I said, hey, why are you late? And she's looking kind of like what she's looking like right now. So is everything okay? Well... Yeah, most of you, most of you that know where I live, know that I have a really long driveway, kind of down a hill. And uh, William had ridden to church with me, but he had parked his Ford LTD behind the van. Well, because it's a big purple van, and she couldn't, and he was there, she couldn't see because she's only that tall. She could, <laughs> she couldn't see, she couldn't see through the mirror to see his car. She just saw the driveway. So she starts backing up, and the van, she, she said, the van wouldn't move. So she thinks she's in a hole. So she's like, whoo, whoo, <laughs> And she had pushed his car 20 feet down my driveway. And until the car slid sideways and she saw it sticking out, had no idea she was shoving a car out into the road. Shouldn't have parked behind her. What's the point? I don't know. But that was, although, although, although that could have been a bad day for us, it was kind of laughable. But that's what some people call a bad day, right? All right, let me, let me read a couple more things. Now, uh, I was on my way to the doctor with rear-end trouble. <laughs> when my, <laughs> oh my gosh. Let's move on. Uh, I was knocked out as a result of a collision, and then I was taken to the hospital where I sustained serious injuries. <laughs> I want to know who writes these things. Y'all have to understand these are actual reports. These are official. The accident was caused by me waving to the man that I hit last week. <laughs> oh, gosh, help me. Uh, let's see. I had been learning to drive with power steering. I turned the wheel to what I thought was enough and found myself in a different direction going the opposite way. And that, that's it. That's literally what the report says. Uh, one wheel went into the ditch. My foot jumped from, uh, jumped from the accelerator, leapt across to the lane uh, to the other side, and jammed uh, in the trunk of a tree. She's saying her foot did it. So one last one. I've been driving for 40 years. I fell asleep at the wheel. I had an accident. Now these are these are this is this is a bad day, 
or that's what they call a bad day. Now, look, I'm not saying that if you wreck your car or, or if something happens and you have to deal with insurance, I'm not saying those things aren't bad, okay? I'm not saying those aren't frustrating. But bad days are when the Apostle Paul is in the bottom of a prison, which is really nothing more than the sewer, hung by chains. His chains, he was only allowed to move his hands out of chains once every 30 days. And in those 30 days, they would give him pen and paper. And in the pen and paper, he would say, I choose to follow Christ. Now, that's a bad day. That man was shipwrecked four times. He was stoned multiple times. And I'm talking about with rocks for some of you. I know my people. <laughs> you got to understand Paul had been to the, to the brink of death multiple times. Those are bad days. But even in his bad day, he said, I choose. I choose to follow Christ. I choose to move over into this. Now, let's look at this. <clears throat> Verse 23. He's got it in the King James. Uh, let's, let's look at it in what I give you this morning, the NLT. Let's, let's put those up. I want, I want to read it in the NLT. Here we go. 2 Corinthians verse 11, uh, chapter 11, verse 23. I have worked harder, been put in prison more often. This is Paul talking. Been whipped multiple times without number. Faced death again and again. Five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. He had been, he had been scourged. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Well, once. Three times I was shipwrecked. I was off on my numbers. Once I spent a whole night and a day at sea. That means he was just floating on a piece of wood. I have traveled on many long journeys. I have faced dangers from rivers and from robbers. I have faced dangers from my own people. Amen. The Jews as well as from the Gentiles. I have faced danger in the cities, in the deserts, and on the seas. And I have faced danger from men who claim to be believers but are not. Verse 27. I have worked hard and long, enduring many sleepless nights. I have been hungry and thirsty, and I have often gone without food. I have shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. Now, how did Paul get through all this? I'm going to show you how faith works. See, what we want to do is we want to read that, and then we want to ask, well, there's got to be more here. There's got to be more on how he got through it. Well, that's not how faith works. Go back to chapter 1. Go back to chapter, yeah, let's go back to chapter 1 and verse 3. Now, faith works because you know God told you to do something. And even in the midst of your bad day, you don't complain because you know God puts you there. See, he says what he believes before he gets into the problem. He doesn't get into the problem and then complain, then find what he believes. So verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 3 says this. All praise, uh, all praise to God, our Father, Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father. He said He's merciful and all source of comfort. He comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort He has given us. For the more we suffer for Christ, now we're going to deal with that word suffering in just a minute. The more we suffer for Christ, the more God will shower us with His comfort through Christ Jesus. Even when we were weighed down with troubles... It is for your comfort and salvation, for that we ourselves are comforted, and that we certainly comfort you. Then you can patiently endure the same things we suffer. We are confident that you share in our sufferings. You will also share in the comfort God gives us. He uses that word comfort so much in this translation that you, you don't even want to try to count it. 
Because if you try to define discomfort, it is the peace that passes all understanding. What he's saying is before he embarks on this trip, I know I'm fixing to go through hell on earth. He's telling you, I know what's about to happen to me. But because God sent me, but because it was good enough, I know that in all situations he comforts me. He's got me. I know that no matter where I'm at, his arms are around me. I no matter what's going on in my life, he has me. He's going to hold me. He's going to gird me up. He's going to make sure that I end up okay. But now, this word suffering here, is one of these words that has multiple translations and type and shadow meanings. Yes, Paul, listen to me, Paul was, was parting waters. He was creating a whole new world for the church to grow into. So there was things physically in shipwrecks and stonings and beatings and things that he had to go through that you don't know nothing about as the American church. Because we can find a church anywhere and everywhere. You don't like how we do it? There's 20 for you get home. You can find your church. But Paul didn't have that. Paul had to go build these churches. So the word suffering for him meant comfort in all things. That God would take in his suffering and comfort him. For us, in a type and shadow, that word suffering means the mental anguish of learning a new way to think. That's what the word means. The word suffering means that you have to make yourself think. Paul, you know why that word doesn't mean exactly that for Paul? And you got to go over to Romans 8 to understand the correlation. The reason it doesn't mean the same thing for Paul is because Paul already said in the first chapter what he believed. He didn't have to have somebody come tell him, oh, it's going to be okay. He knew, which is exactly where God wants you. See, the gift exchange is very simple. The comfort that God gives us now, here's the thing. You have to learn something very clear. That last week we talked about how God would give us peace. This week, God will give us healing for our hurt. Now, when, God, when you give your gods to problem, he, when you give your problems to God, he'll comfort you. Now, he, the, God's name, you got to understand, we, call, we say God of wonders. Everybody heard that? The translation we call God of wonders. There's songs written about it. Do you understand what the word wonders is translated to? comforts we're looking for wee wee we look for people to fall out and shake and shiver under the power because it makes us look good as ministers but we can't get comfort and 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 let me tell you something i've been in a million churches preach for people have people i told y'all last week same people coming up every time for the same stuff and they never get free because their identity is in the altar not in jesus and you got to get to the place that you're willing to let Jesus infiltrate your life and begin to change how you think, change how you talk. You think the way you think. It comes out of your mouth. You ain't fooling nobody. Y'all act like church people in here. But in Walmart in Christmas season, praise the Lord, <laughs> it's a whole different world. I went to Walmart yesterday. Worst mistake I ever made this month. We'll not be going back. Period. You need milk? I'll pay double at Brown's. But here's the thing. Comfort is one of those things that if you have it, oh, listen, please listen. If you have comfort, everything else starts to line up. If you have peace, everything begins to move. You can tell, you can tell, I worked at a, I worked at a nursing home. Now, I wasn't planning on telling this story, but I'm going to tell you. I worked at a nursing home in high school. <clears throat> now, my brother's special needs, 
So I grew up in this nursing home, not with my, he, didn't, he lived there, but he had friends there. They went to school together, would pick them up, take them to school. I grew up around a lot of the, the residents there, special needs residents. But there was a wing for special needs kids, and there was a wing for uh, adults who just needed to be there. Two wings, actually. Uh, you know, people on, exiting life. And you, I bet I, bet I saw, as a seven, 16, 17, 18-year-old kid, I saw more people die in that two-year period than I've seen as a pastor. And you can, now, now look, I, I don't mean to be too graphic, but I can, I'm talking about see them die. Not, not walk in the room and go, oh, they're dead. Watch them pass over. Now, I'm not a believer at this time, okay? I can remember their faces, every one of them. And I can tell you who was at peace and in my spirit who's in heaven and who is not. And I didn't know none about Jesus. But I knew they knew something I didn't know. And let me tell you something. When you see somebody and when they pass away and their face has to be remolded because they're, and their face is in pain, you know something happened. You know something happened. And then when you see people that just lay there. And they're talking to somebody that's not in the room. And then all of a sudden they just smile and they're gone. That is comfort. That is the comfort of knowing that I, if I take my last breath here, I take my first breath in heaven. And I get to stand and know that he's my king and he's my savior. That he's my comforter. That he is everything I ever needed. And yes, I may finish my race early on this planet. But over there, I get to see real life. See, I'm a man of faith. I, I preach word of faith teaching. And I believe with 120 years should be mine. I believe that. But I believe it should be 120 good years. You know, not 60 good years and 60 on a machine. You know, I, I, I believe it should be good years. But I also believe that if I re- end my race early, I don't want to. But if I end my race early by some tragedy, then my God in heaven, I ain't coming back for you. I, I mean, I love you all. Don't get me wrong. But here's the thing. When you taste real comfort, people ask me all the time because, uh, you know, I, I got people in my life that love me and get on to me and tell me, you know, you need to do this, you, need to do this, you look bad, you, look, you know, it makes you feel good. But, but here's the thing. You need people like that in your life because they keep you to a place where you're, well, just like my wife, when I showed her what the Lord spoke to me and, and, and the Lord spoke to her very clear and said, that's for him. Because she cares, and she wants me, with long life will he satisfy me. That needs to be a confession that is something we believe for, not just something that we preach. Now, when I say with long life will he satisfy me, I'm saying with great comfort will he satisfy me. With great peace will he satisfy me. Why would God, listen, can I I just throw some common sense into a non-common sense church? Why would God tell you he wants to give you 120 years and not make it peaceful, wonderful, joyful, and prosperous? I don't understand people who think this wonderful God we serve wants to hurt them. I don't understand people who think this wonderful God is in some kind of battle with the enemy. That's over. That is ended. I can tell where your life is by how you talk to other people. It's very simple. People people ask me all the time, "Ah, that that, that gift of seeing and knowing that you have, I wish I had it. You ain't got to have it sometimes. Just just listen. You find out real quick where people are. Oh, and don't get me started on you Facebook people. And let me just tell y'all something. I don't care how many times they share it. You're not getting a million dollars. Or a miracle. <laughs> no angel's going to appear to you. 
<laughs> None of that's going to happen. And if they can hit a button and unlike you, they ain't your friend. But here's the thing. My comfort is in what's real. And what I consider real, I can't see. But the heavenlies are more real to me than you are. When I'm over here in worship, and it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if, if I'm talking to my wife. It doesn't matter if what's going on around me. If I'm in the mode of worship, what I see over into is more real to me than the room I'm standing in. And what I see, it just, it, as a pastor, I want so bad to just pour it over into your life. But my job is to teach you seed by seed, day by day, point by point, precept upon precept, heavenlies upon heavenlies, to get you to a place that I don't just impart to you something. You're hungry for comfort. When, let me tell you something. When you're hungry for something, you're going to get up and go get it. I remember... Now, this is just my own stubbornness. When I busted my ankle, the, the great pumpkin incident of, what was it, 2016? It's been a few years ago. Many, many of y'all remember me on the crutches. I'd be up in a room, and I, I couldn't walk. Literally, I couldn't put pressure on it. Messed all those ligaments up, and they had to heal up. And they literally told me it would be better if I'd have broken it. That's how bad it was. And... Uh, Stubborn, man. I was so stubborn. Because you know you're on medication and you're ill and you're ornery and you, you can't move and you're in the bed. Come on. You can only watch so much gun smoke. I mean, I mean so at some point, Festus gets annoying. And I'm t I'll call her and I'm like, hey, I really need something to eat. She's like, I cooked. But I don't want what she got. I want something to eat. And see, I get stubborn. And because she won't do what I asked her to do because she knows I need to eat right. She's trying to take care of me. I can't even walk, but I'm going to get up out of my stubbornness and hobble and almost fall down the stairs, act like I'm going to drive, go get me something, but I can't get my foot to work. But I'm going to crawl out to the car because I want what I want. But yet everything I need is already there and prepared. That's how church people act. We will hobble and stay broken because it's not what we want. And if we'll just submit to what the Word is saying, and it's so easy. It's so easy to just move into it and say, God, this is what you said. I'm applying this to my life. And because I apply this to my life, it may not be easy in my emotions, but in my spirit, it's going to be at work. And it's going to manifest into my world. But see, people don't believe that can happen. However, it's real easy to talk about spirits and demons and devils. And you believe that'll happen. It's quiet in this Holy Ghost church. Because what we do is it's easy to say things we've heard others say. But when you get to where you hear him and you start saying what he's talking to you about and you see your life begin to move into it, it's amazing what happens. It's amazing the people around you. Listen, and this is the most important. It's amazing the people that God begins to put close to you. And it's also more amazing the, God, the people that God starts cutting away from you. Because some folk, you need to let go of. Some folk, listen, third voices are the biggest problem in everybody's life. In the garden, there was Adam and Eve. They were one voice. Amen. Let's, let, let's get real biblical here. They were one voice. Then you had God's voice. And then you had a serpent. At some point, the serpent became louder, but the serpent was the thing they were supposed to talk to. 
They weren't supposed to be listening to. They were supposed to be talking to. What's your point? You're listening to things coming out of your soul that you should be talking to with your spirit and putting it in its place so your life begins to line up to what's in your heart, not what's in your head. And that is how you open up comfort. You have to get into your bed. Some of you do. Some of y'all just dive on top of it. But hey, listen, I've got this... I don't have it anymore. Remember that old, remember that old, old quilt I had when, when you and I first got the old red, funky little quilt? I called it my binky. I had that thing since I was a little kid. And I'd sleep in it, and, and we had it till the pieces were just falling off of it. We'd wake up in the bed, pieces would be laying there. And she would have the bed all made up and pretty and all this, and I would climb in the bed, throw all that cover over and grab that old nasty red cover and pull it up on me because that was comforting to me. Right? Everybody has something they hang on to. Now, now this is where I want to mess with you, okay? Sometimes our human souls find comfort in our pain because it's the only thing we know. And because it's the only thing we know, we want to stay there. And when somebody starts preaching you out of your pain, you get leery. I don't know about him. I don't know about her. I don't know about what they said. All you got to do is go back to the Word. Because if you can get out of your comfort and move into His comfort, everything begins to move into His realm. The Bible says very clearly, we are confident, say confident, that as you share in our sufferings, the mental ability or the mental suffering, the mental anguish to think a different way. I'm confident. We are confident that as you learn to think a different way, you'll also share in the comfort that God gives us. Amen. When God gives you his comfort, you now have something to give to somebody else. Troubles is a general word for affliction, annoyance, and inconvenience. None of the problems you face are too small for God to care about, and none of them are too big. Now listen, when you understand and this is important. Please, please hear me. When you understand that nothing, we preach how nothing's too big for our God. And we want to talk to the mountain and make it move. And we want to preach and we want to, we want to curse that fig tree. And we want to do everything Jesus did. But nothing's too small for him either. And sometimes we get so caught up in the big things we're believing him for that we miss all the small things. And the Bible's very clear on the fact that it's the little foxes that spoil our vine. It's the little things that we, because it's the little things that sting. Listen, there's, I remember as a little kid, I remember being on the t-ball field, and I was little. My father was still alive. I was little. And I remember we had a coach, and, and he always wore long ball pants. And he, we were, we were just playing one day. I mean, it was, it was a game, but it was like a practice game, so it wasn't full field. But there was a lot of people there. And, and we were talking. Uh, I was talking to my buddy, uh, Tim Charlton. I'll, I'll, I'll never forget it. We were sitting right there. It, it, I was sitting in the dugout. We were up to bat. The Grand Bay Packers were out on the field. I remember. And all of a sudden, he just starts slapping himself like we thought he lost his mind. He said, now this is this is just, just slapping and, and hitting and, and rolling around. And all of a sudden, in front of everybody, takes his pants off. Two wasps had gotten up the pants leg and was wearing him out. 
And he would do anything. Because they were coming north. And he would do anything to get them out to the point that would embarrass himself to take his pants off in front of all now T-ball teams and parents. And was happy to do it. Sometimes you got to be willing to forget who's around you to put an end to what's hurting you. Because if you could get to a place, and if you will just understand that that is how big the enemy is. The Bible says that when God looks at the enemy, that from heaven he went like lightning. And when you do some research, it basically says that God swatted Lucifer like a bug. That's what the Bible says. But we create a big devil and a little God. There is not an eternal battle. It's over. Jesus put an end to all of it. But your job is to understand that he wants your hurts. I promise you that guy, those pants could not come off him fast enough. Y'all, I remember that. And I remember my dad laughing. That's the last time I remember my father laughing. But I remember that. And, and let me tell you something. If I was in his shoes... I ought to snatch them off too. And, and when, when people start giving him uh, fits about it, giving him business about it, he would just say, y'all have no idea what that felt like. <laughs> and see, what you got to understand is that just because you're feeling pain doesn't mean that your reaction has to be yours. You can move over into the place of comfort and let your reaction be his. See, what I've learned over the years, and I've had many things go off in my life that I didn't like how they went. I didn't like, I didn't like how the structure ended up. I didn't like how the outcome came. I had problems with God. Listen to me. Some of y'all need to hear this. I had problems with God on how things went because it didn't go how he told me it was going to go. And I had to learn that people have a free moral agent. I can't control people. He can't, listen, God cannot control you. He can only lead you. And he can only lead you through his Holy Spirit. See, we've got to understand, I'm thankful that we get to get baptized in the Holy Spirit, pray in tongues and all that. I think that's wonderful. And if you don't know about that, you need to learn about that because that's, that puts you in a position where you're, you're downloading from heaven and you learn how to speak in English how your life should be. But, but sadly, churches don't teach it that way. It just becomes an emotional thing. But you have to learn that it is how you react to pain that will decide your life. And one last thing, and I'll let you go home. I know, I know it's Christmas season. I want you to enjoy yourself. Matter of fact, uh, praise team, if y'all come on up, I'm going to let y'all get ready. We're going to get ready to close out here in just a little bit. <clears throat> but as they're getting ready, I want to make this one last point to you, and then I'm going to let you go home. I know y'all hear my story a lot of how I lost my father when I was 12. I could have let that define me. And for, for many, many years I did. I let it put me in a place to where it just hurt me so bad. And y'all can, can go ahead and just begin to play softly, then we'll move over as we close. But what, what is the most important thing to me in that now looking back was that my father recognized, now he didn't have the faith, he, he, we were Baptist. I'm not saying Baptists are bad people, I love, I love the Baptist faith. Some of the greatest teachers there are. However, he didn't understand that he could speak to his body and watch healing begin to make. We didn't understand those things then. So he knew he had this little window of time left. And in that little window of time, he pulled this little 10, 11, and 12-year-old boy up in the hospital bed with him 
and started talking to me at 12 years old about what it takes to be a good man. And that so impacted me. Now, he didn't know about spiritual comfort. This is what he knew. He knew I need to put something in this boy before somebody else does. And he took his son and he gave me everything he had as fast as he could give it to me. Now, I ran from it. I didn't talk about it. It's it's not until I started having kids myself that I began to understand what he was telling me. But here's what I want you to understand. Jesus sees you in your most broken state. And he came and he died for you to have the opportunity to crawl up in God's lap. And let God begin to tell you. See, my dad taught me how to be a good man. God wants to teach you how to be a godly man. Those are two different things. I thought I was a good person until I met Jesus. And then I got, I, I, I had an encounter with, with him, and I don't have time to talk about that. But here's what I, I want to say, and then, then we're, we're done. If you give him your hurts, you can't pick them back up. When I, when I would come through here on them crutches, and when my ankle started getting better, there wasn't a day that I walked through here and said, Man, I sure wish this thing hurt like it did last week. But that's what we do. As Christians, that's what we do. We'll come to the altar. We'll stand where we are. We'll lift our hands or however it is. And we'll say, God, I need you to take this from me. And then by the time you get to the car, you're already talking about your problem again. Because we don't know how to let things go. Well, we're going to let some things go today. Stand to your feet with me. Just stand up with me. Just bow your heads where you are. There's been, we're all dealing with hurts and pains on different places and different levels. So right now, before before I get too deep into this, just bow your heads. First of all, I just want you to hear my voice. I, I could lay out the pain of so many people in this room because I'm your pastor and I know what you're going through. And I'm not going to single anybody out or ask you to come to the front because that'd just be too painful. But this is your moment to just lay it on the altar of your heart and just let it die. Whatever you're dealing with, whatever's going on inside of you, they said in the song they sang, it said, even when I don't see it, he's working. Even when I don't feel it, he's working. Right now, he's working on your behalf. So, Father, I pray over every single person in this room. Your word says that you want to give them comfort. You want to give them healing for their pain, for their discomfort, for their hurts. Right now is your moment to receive it. Well, Pastor, I don't know how to do that. You receive what he said in his word. His word is that if you will walk in learning to change your mind to think like I think, you can partake of my comfort. And it's one step. That one step is Jesus. Jesus.